Kings 17 and talk about somebody's worst day. Now, the Bible is very candid. It's very honest. It tells about people's worst day. It is a book of victory, but you know, every testimony comes after a test or a trial or a, a, a disaster, as it were. And your job is to get past your worst day. Now, that's where we're going with this this morning, is to get you past the worst day that you can still remember. You know, it's not like, well, I went into the grocery store and they didn't have my flavor of chewing gum and that was my worst day ever. You know, or, or they didn't have the, the kind of jelly that I always get. Yeah. We're not talking about that. We're talking about things that change our life and hinder us. Say, say limits me. That's what it is. Your worst day is limiting you. The fact that you can recall it and maybe even have pain or a little hurt in recalling it. It brings up a fresh wound or a fresh pain. Uh, it shouldn't be that way for us. Or somebody that's hurt you. Well, we all have that story. Someone that drove over us and backed up. And we all have that. And we can, we can recall it in vivid detail. Exactly how they looked and what they said and their tone. We, we, have, we have crystallized that into our, into our psyche. And it's just not who we are. It hinders me. It limits me. It takes away from my potential because there's things then are locked out. There's things that are locked out because I can't get past that. If I could get past that, the Lord could bring me into a new realm, a new door, a new room. But I won't go there because I am hung up on them. And, uh, and I have trouble with, I'm not saying I, but I mean, if I'm that person, I'd have trouble receiving forgiveness because I'm holding on. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you, don't, you can't get forgiven. Well, he's talking about how we receive it. He's talking about we just can't get reconciled with what we did and going to the Lord and saying, please forgive me. We just keep bringing it up like, well, I know I did that. Well, it's because we have unforgiveness in our life towards other people. Is that right? Can you all relate to that? Or maybe you know somebody that can. First Kings 17 we're going to talk about somebody's worst day in verse 11. As she was going to fetch it. Now, you know, we're starting in the middle of the movie. You're, you've walked in after popcorn and the movie's already going. So here it is. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her, talking about the prophet, and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, here it is, the worst day. I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. You know, that's a low point right there. We're having a bad day right there. That's a bad day when, when it's all over. Slip over to 2 Kings. Now, you know, we're just going to talk about these for reference. 2 Kings chapter 6 and uh, verse 25. Now, this is our favorite, favorite worst day story and we could we could squeeze this one out for weeks but we're just going to fly by verse 25 there was a great famine in samaria and behold they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces that'd be 80 pieces of silver sounds like it's pretty expensive stuff and the fourth part of a cab of doves dung now i always thought that was literally what it said but i found out i read later that a, a doves dung is a plant. It's a very bitter, very bitter vine and vegetable. But a fourth part of a measure of that was sold for five pieces of silver. 
So it's definitely a seller's market, isn't it? Um, verse, in chapter 7, verse 3, so we, we see a very hard day. But in verse 3, it says, There was four leprous men at the entering of the gate of this city. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. That's having a hard day. You know, well, what's our option? Uh, now, therefore, come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. That's having a hard day, y'all. And you go, well, this is extreme. There's people in this same situation mentally of anguish and suffering that is no different than this. They, they, what have I got to lose? If I die, I die. As if, as if there's an option out there. People do not think about the hereafter when they handle their body, their life, so callous, uh, cavalier, just so, so, uh, it's so fragile because once you leave this body, you lose your right to be on the earth. And once you leave there, you go to judgment. And it's just, you, yeah. Uh, in Job, Job is right before Psalms. So turn to Job chapter 1, if you would. Now, you know we're going to get a bad day here. The whole book of Job is about the bad day. And we could read the whole book and we could say, that was a long life of bad days, of, of your worst day. But we won't. We'll just look in verse 13 and uh, sashay through the, the, the first chapter. There was a day when his sons and daughters, Job, were eating and drinking wine in their elders, elders' brother's house. Verse 14, And there came a messenger unto Job, and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them, and took them away. They that yet, yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. That's a bad day. And while he was yet speaking, yet speaking, like right then, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. You, you hadn't had a bad day like Job was having. While it was yet speaking, wow, here it comes again. There came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I, you know the story, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. This is stacking up, would y'all say? Uh, verse 18, while he was yet speaking, <laughs> it's not funny, but wow. There also came another and said, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their elder brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. No doubt. You hadn't had a bad day when you read this. We none of us have had a bad day. Um, I'm going to turn to Mark. You can turn there if you like. Mark chapter 7. Going to the New Testament and talk about somebody's worst day. I mean, you hope it's their worst day. We hope that, that they didn't escape this and get into something worse. But Mark chapter 7. Verse 25. And a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. 
The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Now, let's just note here that she believed he could. She had heard. She was just like the woman with the issue of blood. She had heard about Jesus. And it worked other places. But Jesus, but Jesus said unto her, let the children, that be the Jews, first be filled, for it is not meet or right to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. So the only hope she had, the only hope she had just called her a dog. It doesn't look good from there, does it? She was having, she got, she had a bad day. We're not going to talk about the end of the story because it's, in every one of these, the bad day got fixed. But well, let's just talk about the bad day. And then I'm going to go to Acts chapter 14. You know we could fill it up, and I'm coming back next week, I hope. The Lord willing, unless we're all meeting in heaven and he'll be teaching us. Praise God. Chapter 14 of uh, Acts, verse 19. <laughs> and there came thither... Have y'all ever been thither? <laughs> and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people. And having stoned Paul, you know, when they stoned people, it was unto death. It wasn't like, here's, here's a stone. Well, it hit him. Let's, let's go to the house. No. It, it, and drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Let me read that in the New Living. It says, then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. Now, if you were Paul, you were having a bad day. They thought you were dead. Which makes you believe, I believe, that he was raised from the dead. Or something similar and wonderful. So our question is, is these five examples, one, two, three, four, five, yeah, five examples. There's a whole bunch more. The Bible's full of bad days. And then it always turns to the people that turn unto the Lord and get their bad day fixed. It turned out better than they expected. God surprised them with his goodness. It's recorded so that you can see the victory. Some people, not so much. Ananias and Sapphira had a bad day. Didn't work out for them. You know, there was no happy ending to Ananias and Sapphira and a bunch of other people. Judas had a really bad day. And uh, he's, he's still, you know, in the throes of that judgment, suppose. So let's just understand something. That bad days don't, we're not exempt as Christians from bad days. You're not exempt. Well, why'd God allow this to happen to me? Well, it's the curse. It's in the earth. It's the devil. He's everywhere and he's full time. It's, uh, it's seed time and harvest. You sowed something nasty, naughty, mean. Here it comes in spades. Here it comes. And you go, well, why'd this happen to me? It's out there. Jesus said in, uh, I'm going to read it in the Amplified, John 16, 33. You know, we always read this one. In the world, ye, in the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Let me read that again. In the world, I can, I can relate to this. You have tribulation and trials and distress and frustrations. Now, we're having less of them and having them at less degree, I trust, that your faith is working and things that were sent to you don't, 
They're weapons that don't prosper anymore, but they are weapons that are formed. They just don't bring the judgment. He said, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, be certain, undaunted. There it is. For I have overcome the world. Here it is. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Woohoo! But it doesn't say that, you know, I stopped it and it won't ever come. In every case, he said, frustration, distress, um, uh, whatever else he said, uh, trials and tribulation. That was it. He said, it's coming, and it's coming now, and it's coming soon. And it's coming in all different forms. It's not like, I'm used to that. I figured that out. I do say of my life, uh, living by faith for 40 years, that financially, once you see the kitchen sink go by for the third time, you pretty much have figured he doesn't have anything new because he would send it. So they had, there's types of distress and frustration. There's patterns of it. There's, there's things that people will do that the devil, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. But we do sow seeds that we're not proud of. Maybe we were ignorant when we sowed them. It doesn't matter. You got to dig them up or they're on their way back. And we're like, why'd God allow this to happen to me? That's not how it worked. Uh, the curse is working in the earth full time. And we're not exempted from the curse, except there's an umbrella over us, like in Goshen. Goshen had that umbrella over it in Egypt. And so while the plagues were raining down hell and fire and frogs and lice and mosquitoes, whatever was going on, Goshen was shiny and the cows were lowing and and, you know, all that was good over in Goshen. Well, that's who we are. We're in Goshen. But we got to stay in Goshen. Because if you stepped out of Goshen, it was old Billy. Right? So you had to stay in Goshen. And we have to stay in the covenant. We have to stay in faith. We have to stay there. The devil is right now is, prove, is making, he's making you prove what you believe. Let me say that again. The devil is making, he's qualifying you in the sense of, making you prove what you really believe. It's not what you've heard. It's what you know. And so he's bringing all stuff. You ah, he can bring sickness to me, but I believe in healing. He's going to make you believe in healing or be sick. He's, you're going to be tested by that. Now, he takes a chance, of course. If uh, he brings something to you and you whoop it, you do have faith. You do rise up. You do meet the challenge. Well, then he fails and you've got the victory, which is a testimony, which then brings another victory. But if he wins, then a failure or a defeat begats failure and defeat. You're just you're kind of whooped. You're kind of cowering down. But here's the here's the truth. And let's all get the truth. God has never flinched. He's never hesitated. He's he's never brought you his best. It's still out in front of you. Could I have a better amen. And it certainly he hadn't brought his last. What he's shown you and me is just the warm up to what's coming. And whatever, whatever sin brings, grace does much more abound. There's more than enough to handle it. But there's plenty out there to handle when the sense of the tribulation, the trial, the distress, and the frustration. Would you turn to 1 Samuel with me? That's, uh, I wrote it down. It's page 289 if you have a Bible like mine, as Joe Morris says. Because I didn't want to sit up here and swim around my Bible, not know where it was. And you think, well, he doesn't even know where it is. So I just made myself a note. 
Page 289. I'm looking for it. There it is. First Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to say it again. God has never flinched with surprising you with his goodness of being faithful with his promises of being unswerving. You say, well, I was bad. Therefore, I'm I've got bad in for me. Not not from God's side. He's not he's he's we're in the age of grace. We're in the age of grace. There is nothing that heaven is attributing to us in the way of judgment. There is nothing. Judgment has been borne by the Lord Jesus. He took it all. So if you think I've been bad and God's sending bad, you are wrong. The devil's sending bad. And there's temptation where we fall to the lust of our flesh. That's bad. There's certainly uh, the curse, which is just out there in a fallen world. That's bad. But it didn't come from heaven. It never comes from heaven. Jesus bore the price, the judgment, the penalty, the condemnation for our sin. He took it all and he took it all in this age. Now there is an age coming when he takes us out of this world. The age of grace, the church age is over at that time and there will be judgment. Old Billy is coming. But right now it's not here. You go, well, I think God sent it because, you know, he's trying to teach people a lesson. You got wrong doctrine. You don't know God. You, you, have, you have been misled. There's other things that have caused it. It did happen. You did lose your job and you did, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. You did. It happened. But it's not from heaven. So that means we got to keep looking to him. You know, if you think somebody hurts you, you you're not going to be respecting them and honoring them and sidling up to them. But it wasn't him. He was the good that kept it from killing you, from, from, from wiping you out completely. He, he, he was able to bring all grace, all that he could. God brings everything that he has legally to our defense and to our victory. Everything. Now, we, we may take some things off of his table by our words. I always get sick this time of year. Well, you know, there you go. Or if you're just trying to outlive somebody, I hate that old man, and I, you know, I just want to outlive him. I just want to beat him by, by outliving him. Well, you better check. After he goes, you may not be here long. Because there's laws of our words and our faith. So we have that. Let's look in 1 Samuel 30. I'm going as fast as I can. And if we don't finish today, we'll just finish another day. How about that? And it came to pass when David, I love stories about David, don't y'all? He's the transparent one. I mean, if, if he was bad, it shows him bad. When he was good, he was the best. And his men were coming to Ziklag. You can get up this morning and say, I'm so glad, Father, that I don't come from the city of Ziklag. Put that on your mail and give a zip code beside it. You, you won't get anybody to return your letter. And the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, neither great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So it was a hit and run, wasn't it? They didn't try to occupy the land. They didn't try to... They just came in, got this good stuff, and left. So David and his men came to the city came from war, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters 
were taken captive. He's having a bad day. This was a bad day. Then David and the people that were with him, how bad was it? Lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. So we're going to have to deal with this. If you're David and the men, you're going to have to deal with it or you're done. Have you ever watched TV when somebody, their house burned down and uh, somebody they loved was in it? It's, it's terrible. I, I'm not aligning with that at all. I'm saying that's any kind of tragedy, a, a, a car accident. We, we watched a show last night about a, a tornado that came through Texas. Yeah. And Interstate 30. Yeah, it was in Interstate 30. It took people off the overpass and blew them off the overpass out into a field and they upside down and people were under their cars. It was terrible. And, and there was people just crying their hearts out. But we, you ever heard people say, I'll never get over this. I'll never get over it. Though those words are powerful. The last word standing is doing the commanding. And that's what's happening in your life when you have those moments and you make that forceful confession. You may change your mind later, but if you don't undo your confession, your, your resolve, your, 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 your thing that says this is how it is for me, thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established unto you, is what Job says. And so there they are, and you, you check in on them 10 years later, and, and they haven't put the clothes up of someone that's died they left the room just like it was when they left. I mean, everything. The coat is here and the shirt's still there and everything's the same. Well, you can tell ha they had a bad day and they never got over it. They're having to live that worst day over and over again. And they're just, they're just, they're, they're emasculated. They're, they're completely disemboweled. And so it says in verse... Uh, where are we here? Um, verse 5. And David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam and Je the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. So he's having a real bad day. Verse 6. You think it's as bad as it can get. Y'all know this? And David was greatly distressed. Why were you distressed? Well, we, we've already read 1 through 5. We know why he's distressed. Oh, no. There's more. For the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. So. It got worse. He, he wasn't even going to get to grieve for his family because they were they were about to stone him. He was having a bad day. And as you can see here. The men around him were having their worst day as well. It wasn't just David that lost Abigail and, and what's her name. Uh, they all lost everybody that they had. And they were so grieved it drove them to do something terrible or con consider stoning David. Made him responsible. Now here's the point. When we have a bad day, it's natural, worldly, to look for somebody to blame. Many times, if it's a celebrity, then you, you see a lawsuit coming. It was the helicopter company. It was the pilot. It was the it, just anything and everything because somebody's got to pay for what I'm feeling. 
There's got to be a justification, a remuneration, an equalizing, because I am as worst as I've ever been, and somebody's got to come in and do that. Well, you understand that, but that's not the way it works. You got to go to God. You got to, your life comes from Him, and when it's taken away, you got to go back and get it from Him. And there's nothing that. So we asked the question on your worst day, and you've already said you thought about your worst day. How did you come out? Where are you now on your worst day? Can you remember it? Maybe you can. Maybe it's no big deal. Maybe it's like, yeah, I remember it. Of course, I'm not an idiot. I can remember for these many years. But I'm not hamstrung by it. I'm not hobbled by it. I'm not, I'm not strung by it. I got through it. It was a bad day, but I got through it. I've been through some bad days, bad days. I, for me, you know, somebody else might say no big deal, but for me, it was a really bad day. It was personal, and it was my whole life. But you got to get past it, and you got to get past it now. And so if you're still holding on, you got to get rid of it. And that's why we're teaching this. That's why we're looking in the Word. Uh, Y'all remember the Surf Pro commercial? What do they say? Do y'all remember what the Surf Pro says? The company that cleans up? Like it never even happened. Now that's the Jesus that we're looking to. Like it never happened. It did happen, and we have a recollection of it happening. But we've so moved on, we've so recovered, we've so been established in Him that these natural things don't have that power over us because we are lifted up or buoyed up by the grace of God and it takes us beyond that. There's so much of life to live and to take in. We cannot even get our soul around it. We are living by faith and this is a, this is a terrible thing and we do not negate it. We do not poo-poo it. We do not belittle it. But on the other hand, you got to go on or you might as well go on. If you can't get it together, you might as well go to heaven because it's happy there and it's fair there. And there's no devil there and there's no trouble there. And if you can't live with the stress, I'm, I'm, I'm not being mean here. I'm, and I'm certainly not encouraging people to leave. I'm just saying that the reality of it is that there's a real compelling reason for us to get over it. And you go, well, how can I? You dominate your soul with your spirit. We are born again. We are as he is, so are we in this world. Greater is he that is in me than me. And I look to him. I yield to him. He is my Lord. He is my master. He is my deliverer. And if he cannot deliver me from this, if I won't let him or I don't believe he can, then, I, then my life ended on that worst day. And I'll tell you the truth that it's not the end of your worst days. If you can't get past the worst day, it's like a cancer, as it were. It just keeps on eating. And it, it, the Hebrews says, lest a root of bitterness rise up and defile many. Your worst day is all of a sudden everybody else's worst day because they can't stand to be around you. They, they tiptoe and it's just it's uh, you're worthless in the sense of a contribution to society and your family. Matter of fact, now you're a liability. Many cases where we have to go do for you because you are so devastated by your worst day. Now it's become our worst day. I hope I don't sound callous because I don't mean to be. 
I, I just want to explain how what people go through, as you know, and put it out there so we can get past it. This could help somebody. We want to get people saved, not go to hell. Well, they're living in hell in their souls, going to heaven. But until then, they're the most wretched of all souls. And, and if you're in that in any degree, maybe it's certainly not the way I described it. But if you're not free, you got to get free. We got we got to leave the past in the past. We got to move on because there's so much to move on for and so much to move on to. God's got a plan for your life. It's a marvelous plan. It's an amazing plan. And he didn't factor in your worst day. He didn't say, well, this is what I have planned. It's really good. Unless something goes wrong, then everything's off. We just we just scrap that plan and say, miss that one. That's the way natural war is. But that's not the way it is for us. God's plan goes on. So you just got to find a way around it with your faith to get into the plan of God again. Another path, maybe another way, but back to the original plan. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, without change. And so you got to say, ah, that was tough, and it was. And that was devastating, and to most people it would be. But not to you, not to me. You got to be back in the saddle tomorrow. Grieve all afternoon, take it all night, but tomorrow we get up because his mercies are new every morning. And we put on the goodness of God and just say, it was bad. And in the soul realm, and it, it, it took all my breath, it took all my life. But I'm serving him, and hopefully, hopefully, as this would be especially egregious, is if they're in heaven and you're wiped out. Why would you be wiped out about somebody that's in heaven? I mean, they're in heaven. That's where I want to go. It's not like, oh, no, not heaven. Oh, yeah. Sign me up. First load out. I'm in. I'll stay as long as he wants me to and as long as I want to. But I'm all about heaven. It's fair in heaven. I love heaven. Everybody's like, oh, I'll talk to Abraham and I'll see mama and all that. I want to go to heaven because it's fair. It's just all them people that said all those things that are yakking about you down here, when, when we're both in heaven, it's going to be just right. If they lied, well then, well, they didn't fry, but uh, it shut their mouth. And of course, there's, I just can't wait for heaven. I'm going to teach on it soon because we ought to know more about it. So you, what, what did David do? Let's get back to that. David, it says... Uh, uh, where does it say that? Verse 6. David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. So not only was he having to carry his own grief and his own anguish, he was having to bear everybody else and calm everybody else down. So uh, we have to recover. I'll tell you about my own personal story, not in detail, but I'm just saying Immediately when I went through my worst day, I realized that I wasn't independent in this. That is whatever strength I had, whatever station I had, there was weaker ones around me and there's weaker ones around you. And so you'd like to take a personal vacation and a personal, you know, time out. I'm going to grieve for this and I'll be back in two years, I hope. But if not, well, no, there's weaker ones around you and and. All of a sudden, our worst day becomes their worst day, 
as I said, and you got to get it together for their sake. Even if you think you're a wreck and you deserve to die or you deserve to have better and you don't understand, you got to you got to pull your britches up and and uh, or boots up, excuse me. Well, put your boots on. That's what I meant. Hallelujah. Whatever that is, you got to pull yourself together because you're not alone. We're all interconnected and we're dependent on one another. And it's not like, well, when you're out of commission, we don't notice. We all notice. We're all important. We're all a part of each other. And nobody's indispensable like whatever. If they don't come, they don't do. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. We're all a part of each other. Even though people don't express that necessarily, especially in a church family, we're absolutely integrally important and necessary for this to go on. Like it never happened. Now, that's my goal. Like it never happened. That's full restoration. That's like it never happened. Clean it up. Fix it. So in my story, uh, it happened on a Friday. And the Lord, a word from heaven came for me. I had to have one because there's, there's people, as pastor even, there's people that, this pulpit is not just words, it's not just advice, it's not just information. There's a spirit that comes out of the pulpit. Just like in your own house, there's a spirit that goes into your children. It's either the spirit of faith, or it's the spirit of mad, or it's the spirit of failure, or the spirit of victim. There's a spirit that comes out of everyone that ministers out of their spirit. And I knew that immediately I could not minister out of distress or out of grief or out of work. So the Lord told me, he said in, in 1 Thessalonians, he said, why grieve ye? Or he said, grieve not as those, as those that have no hope. Right then I got it. My bad day, my worst day, wasn't a bad day. It was a disruption. It was a change. It was a turn. But it wasn't into my life. And I couldn't explain everything about that situation, but I, I could explain me. Get on your horse, saddle up, and we got to keep going. The mail's got to run. And so I did. That happened on a Friday. And uh, Eric preached, uh, my son preached on Sunday. I had planned to stay at home. But I, that morning I got up and said, what are you thinking? I was so grateful because Eric ministered life, and it was a great message, best I remember. And Monday, I was back. And I don't mean just physically or in a place. I, I was full of heart. I, had, I was called. I was just like you are. And I'm telling you, you go, well, I, I deserve a little downtime. No, you don't. No, you don't. You go, well, I should. No, you don't. We're the redeemed of the Lord. We should say so. Was it terrible? Absolutely. Did it wrench your soul? Absolutely. It was terrible. Did it hurt? Absolutely it hurt. But then it's over. We get past stuff. When somebody offends you or, or, or does something back to you, the word says, forgive them. Let me just show you this. Uh, love, 
Love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunted not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. You just got to go. You got to go to that. He loves me. So everything I need, everything I really need, everything that's that is what I need is in him. This thing is not what I need. This thing is my field of ministry, of my field of life, my, my field of pouring out. All of us. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. But he is the source. He's the root. So to make something where you grieve for a year or two or six or whatever, you're not, he's not the source. He's not. He's cut off. He's like, you're a, you're a convenience. You're a, like on a car. You're an option. Do you want the deluxe sound system or do you just want a radio? That's all he is. And it betrays it. It betrays who we are by how long we, we get wiped out by our worst day. No condemnation. But we have to get to, we got to empty out our soul. And, and David emptied out his soul. It says he, he uh, let's see, where did he, where did he cry? And, uh, well, I've lost the place. The soul of all the people were grieved. But it says in verse 6, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Do you all see that? Let's read it together. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. There it is. He had lots of reasons to not be encouraged. But he went to the source. He went to the root. You got to empty out your soul. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some hard things here. Y'all know that I'm capable of it. But we have to get to the end of this. We have to get to the end of, I am what happened to me. You have to get to the end of that. I, I, you have to end, I am what happened to me. I'm a victim. I'm a widow. I'm a, I'm a whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm childless. I'm orphaned. Devastating things, terrible things. It is your worst day. And that's why we say, what is your worst day? You got to get to the end of I am what happened to me. Because it's not, it's, not, it's not true. You are what he made you, not what happened to you. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And so obviously to do all things, there's all things to get through and all things to do. So we got to get rid of at least three things. First of all, you got, got to get rid of bad doctrine. We could talk about bad doctrine. Maybe we'll another day. You know, God's in control is bad doctrine. Uh, God's, God's testing me to see if I will do good. That's bad doctrine. Do you all know about bad doctrine? We've all been delivered from it, but still there's vestiges of things in us. Uh, we got to get rid of uh, wrong thinking. Because wrong thinking brings wrong expectations. I thought God would do better than this. Well, God did do better than this, but you didn't. You got to get rid of self-pity. Oh, you got to get rid of that. Like, oh, why me? why me? Why did God allow this to happen to me? Or why me? I go to church. 
I saw a sign, a church sign. You know that's my particular expertise of judgment. <laughs> and what did it say? It said, uh, if you want to... Well, I can't even remember. Never mind. The first thing you got to do, we all got to do after we had our worst day, is figure out what happened. Because you'll live it again if you don't figure out what happened. You got to figure out why did this happen? Well, God let it happen. That's not what the Bible says. Whatever things you bind on earth are bound in heaven. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's what the Lord Jesus said. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So, How'd this get loose? how did it get in my life? Well, you didn't take charge. The Bible says to pray. Why? Because there's a devil, there's an evil, there's a bad thing out there trying to get you. And praying helps. We could go to Romans 8 and talk about praying in the Holy Ghost. Where it says, those that pray in the Holy Ghost, was it say, and all things work together for good for them that are the called and according to his purpose. Why pray? So that all things work together for good. That if you don't straighten it out with your praying in the Holy Ghost or otherwise, it's going to go against you. It's going to be your worst day, but you can head it off. You can cut it off. You can make it go another way where it never even showed up. And you'll go, well, I'm sure having a good life. The devil's not bothering me. He wants to. He wants to take you out. So you got to know why your, your worst day came there. And so you gotta, you got to empty out. you got to empty out. And here's what I do. I say, no, no more, no more now, and no more later. I'm ending it today. Sometimes we get lazy. Sometimes we get sleepy. The Word talks about wake up, Christians. We get sleepy, and so we let things happen. We, we say, you know, things are so, going so good. I don't need to pray so hard. I don't need to be the Word so much. And Church is kind of boring. I, why to go to church when you can, you know? There you go. You're slipping. And eventually the hammer will fall, not from heaven, but from the devil. He's just setting you up and he's going to take you out. That, that's it right there. So I, I like to say, and we've said it many times, I've had my least day forever. I've had my least day is in my past. Never. My worst day is always going to be my worst day. There will not be a worst day yet out in front of me. I've had my worst day. And we're never going to have one of those again in any way. So we got to empty out. We got to empty out of disappointment. Certainly, on my worst day, I was disappointed. I was totally surprised. I was shocked. But aren't we all? Uh, I had to empty out suffering because I really felt like a failure and a martyr and all sorts of junk. And I, I, I was suffering. In my, in my head. In other words, I felt good that day, but my head was, was racked. Uh, you have to empty out that your suffering is unfair. Because look around. You know, they've written lots of songs back in the 60s and 70s about, uh, uh, don't they know it's the end of the world? My Johnny has gone to somebody else or something. Y'all know. Y'all know. Y'all listen to the oldies? <laughs> Well, it's like, how, how can you be happy because it's the end of the world. My life has just fell in. What are you being happy for? What are you making plans for? What are you going out to dinner for? That we all ought to be in sackcloth and ashes. You got to empty that out. You got to empty out blaming. Oh, this is big. You got you to gotta not blame God. You got you to gotta empty out. In other words, it might be in there and you go, it's not in there. I'm not blaming God. 
but it's in there. Or you're blaming yourself. I went through a little dab of that. A little dab of, of what could I have done? What should have I done to head this off? Because I, I was unable, and it happened. And you got to empty out blaming people. That's real big in most people. I can tell you why this happened. It was John. Yeah. Uh, you got to empty out uh, bad doctrine. It's easy to believe bad doctrine in the easy times. But bad doctrine will, it's a non-essential until you get to hard times. And bad doctrine will let you down. You believe God's in control. You believe God, whatever you believe or people believe, it won't bite you on Monday and Tuesday, but Wednesday it may take you out. And you got to get rid of bad doctrine in the easy times. Well, I don't want to. I want to believe what I believe. Most church people do. But when you find it in the Word or when it's preached to you or when, you know, you got to say, I got to change this. Well, why? Is it bothering you? Not a bit. This is not an issue. I'm fine. But I got to change it because it is a ditch that I will go in if I don't change it. Uh, you got you to empty out wrong faith. Lots of people. I know I did in the 40s. I thought I was in faith about healing and health. Come to find out I was just young. I, I, and then when I got older, I found out I wasn't in faith. I was just young, and all of a sudden, here it came. It all came in. Uh, wrong faith is when, you tell, when, when you're telling God about the mountain instead, instead of telling the mountain about God. I ain't putting up with you. Instead of saying, God, they're bothering me. Uh, it hurts. <laughs> that's, bad, that's bad faith, a wrong faith. And lastly, I would say, we got to empty out of pride. It's hard to change when you, when you get shot down, when you have your worst day, and everybody's looking at you, which I was sure they were looking at me on my worst day, saying, what is up? Uh, you got bad doctrine. you got bad faith, or whatever. I imagined everything. I was certainly good at bringing it to bear. But pride will keep you from changing it. You'll start defending it. I didn't do anything wrong, or I, you know, you'll start defending bad, uh, uh, bad doctrine and bad motives. You'll start, you'll start defending it. Well, I believe that God does this, and well, I believe the Word says that. Instead of saying, I got to change that. No matter how it looks, however it sounds, I'm changing it. Pride or self-preservation will not let me go on. I've just had a wake-up call saying something's wrong. Y'all ever get the wake-up call when something happens? You go, do you just go, I don't know why that happened. No, it's just the devil. It's just people. No, there was a gate open. There was a door open. There was a, there was a trap, and you didn't know about it, and it got you, and you go, well, that just happens. Yeah, but not to us. We're in Goshen. We're, it should never happen to us. It didn't happen to Jesus. And as he is, so are we in this world. It's not supposed to happen to us. Now, we're, we're in a learning curve. And so until we get to be masters of the doctrine, of the word, of the faith, we do have failures. But we learn along the way and say, whoops, I got wrong doctrine. I got wrong faith. I got wrong believing. I'm changing it. How does that look? Yeah, it looks like you're an idiot. 
It looks like you, you know, what you've been saying and living is you, you're going to have to reverse. Reverse it. Well, I, me and Pastor West talk sometimes about uh, we hope there's not too many cassette tapes of things we taught 30 years ago because we don't even believe that mess anymore. <laughs> we don't even like, don't, don't listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Because, and you're the same way. If you, what you used to believe and preached, it's out there on cassette or whatever. You're going, that's junk mess. That's not, that's not the truth. And so my point here is, if you want to get past your bad day, your worst day, you're going to have to have godly sorrow. Say godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is not when you sin and you get caught. Godly sorrow is when you discover your sin and it takes you out. It's like, I have grieved God. I have grieved my wife. I have sinned against my calling. I have sinned against the, the, the magnanimity of the Lord Jesus. You go into sorrow. You cannot be born again unless you go into a sorrow that says, I am a sinner. Good people cannot be saved if they think they're good because they're going to think they're good enough. But we're just going to seal it off, give it a little just in case. But they're not actually, I am wretched. I am without hope. I am beyond any kind of capacity to deliver myself. I must have a Savior. That's the only people that get saved. Well, the same thing with this. When you go through your worst day, you've got to have a thing that says, I've got to deal with this. What went wrong? Now, you can get too introspective. You can get, you know, where you just, you, you, you can work on this day and night, night and day for 20 years, always saying, what, what happened? Well, that's self-condemnation. That's not the answer. But the Lord will show you. If you say, God, we missed it somewhere. We meaning me. <laughs> what is it? He is faithful. He'll show you. But you got to want it. I don't think it happened. I think that was just somebody else's fault. And that was just, no, it happened on your watch. And it was your worst day. And it cost you and it cost others. Quit it. Get the answer. Because if you don't, you're going to go there again. It's not going to be your worst day. There's one still out in front of you. Well, yay. I wish I had to finish, but I didn't. I, I do want this. The Lord gave me a scripture when I first got spirit-filled. And I want you to go there. This has nothing to do with the message. Well, maybe it does. Psalm 124. The message is over, but uh, not because I finished. It's just because I quit. Look at this scripture. I know you've seen it, but I just want to bring it up new and afresh. It's 124.7. I want us just to confess it together. I'm in the King James. Is that up? Ah, it is. Let's read it together. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Now you got to go there. You got to go there. The snare is broken. The snare is broken. Our soul, which there, that's the word for spirit in the Old Testament. Uh, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. Fowler is, a, uh, is someone that deals with birds, of course. And uh, we escaped. 
Now, you've got to have revelation for it to mean anything. It's like, wow, so what? But if it never goes off in you, it'll go off big. I am escaped. I'm not under any bondage. You know, a bird's either in the cage or it's out of the cage. It's not like I'm 50% in the cage or I'm 50% snared. You're in or you're out. And I'm out. I'm out. Now, just as we say this, just, I just thought of this. People will say, this is bad doctrine. Well, this bad thing, my worst day, happened to me. And out of that came good, good, good. Why, well, so-and-so got saved, and so-and-so got restored, and we got this back together. All of that happened because of this tragedy, this disaster, this trouble. And so, here it is. The Lord did that in order to bring that other. And let me just tell you, that's false doctrine. It does not line up with God. God does not need the devil or the curse to do his business. And so it didn't happen that way. But now one thing that's good about the Lord, I mean, one of many, is what the devil meant for evil. God turns it for good. So just, just don't think, well, you, you blew it, so that's the end of it. You're going to pay the full price? Oh, no. No, we get out of that quickly. We just say, i sorry about that. I missed it. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at anybody. It was me. I could have covered it. I should have covered it. But I didn't know or I didn't care or whatever. But now I'm back. And the Lord say, well, okay, I can do something with that. I can do something with somebody that says, I want out of this. And there you are. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Yes, let's stand up. Let's just stand up and praise him. Hallelujah. And Lord, we thank you. We are the delivered. And our worst day is staying in our past. And our least day, that's today. We're not having another day less than today. Every day that we have, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, is a day of increase, a day of, of, uh, of glory, a day of grace, a day of life. Every day is a better day now. Hallelujah, because we know the truth, and that truth makes us free. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Lord, for your life on us. We let you restore hope in us, Holy Spirit. We're, we're not going to resist you with victimhood or with grief or with sadness. We put off frustration. We're going to let you restore us. We cast it off. We cast off the burden so you can restore us. What does it say in Psalm 23? That he restoreth my soul. Thank you, Lord. I receive you restoring my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in this morning. God bless you. We'll be back.